Welcome to another episode of the Pacific Islander podcast. Today we will be discussing dream time. My name is Madison and my co-hosts are Riley, Rowan, and Emma. Today we'll be discussing dream time. The, defi- the definition by Merriam-Webster is the time of creation in the mythology of the Australian Aborigines. What is dream time? So dream time is the foundation of Aboriginal religion and culture. It dates back about 65,000 years. It is the story of events that have happened, how the universe came to be, how human beings were created, and how their creator intended for humans to function within the world as they knew it. Do want to make a special note that Dreamtime is not mythology. Dreamtime is called All at Once, Time to Natives, because they think the past, present, and future are all the same. It is a beginning that has no end. They meet the Dreamtime by doing special dances and songs. Aboriginals believe that people have a part of them that will live forever. It sounds like Dreamtime might be considered part of the soul. But how were the stories passed down? The past of the spirit ancestors which live on in the legends are handed down through stories, art, ceremony, and songs. Traditionally, these stories were used to share knowledge and pass information from elders to the next generation. They carried lore, beliefs, and practical knowledge so that culture and lifestyle could continue from one generation to the next. What is Dreamtime art made of? Aboriginal people collected pigments for painting. The artist made red, purple, and yellow pigments from orc clays, which are rich in iron, and white pigment from colon clay. They worked in the rock shelter, grinding up the orc, usually with a stone on a grindstone slab, and then adding water. When it comes to dream time, there are many stories. The first story we'll discuss is the creation story. The creation story of Njiampa country, as well as the land belonging to the eagle, hawk, and crow. A very long time ago, in the beginning, when there was nothing but land. Guthi Guthi, or the spiritual being of Aboriginal ancestors, lived up in the sky. He wanted to create a special place for people, plants, and animals. He created land for the people after setting borders in place in the sacred sites, the birthing place of the dreaming, where all the... Where where all their dreamings were to come out of. Guthi Guthi then placed one foot down on Gunderbuka Mountain and another one at Mount Grenfell. He looked out over the land and saw that it was bare. There was no water and barren land for farming. Guthi Guthi knew that trapped in a mountain, Mount Minara, the water serpent, Wiawi. Guthi Guthi called out to him, but because Wiawi was trapped in the middle of the mountain, he couldn't hear him. Guthi Guthi went back up to the sky and called out once more, but Wiawi did not respond. So, Guthi Guthi came down with a roar like thunder and banged on the mountain, and the mountain split open. The water serpent came out as he traveled. He made depressions and rivers and streams. Once that was all finished, Wiawi came back into the mountain to live, and that's where he is now. But he wanted a lot of water to come down through their country. Old Punda, the Khan, it was his duty to drag and create the river known as the Darling River today. Khan came out with Mudlark, his little mate, and they set off from the north, and they created the big river. Flows right down, right through their country, right into the sea. This country was created... The first were Eagle Hawk and Crow, and from these two tribes came many tribal people, many tribes, and we call them subground today. So their people, 
the Njiampa people and the Barganji further down are all subgroups of Eagle Hawk and Crow. This is another Njiampa story about Eagle Hawk and Crow. Very long time ago, Eagle Hawk, it was his turn to go hunting, and he had a little baby and asked his neighbor Crow to watch his baby while hunting. Um, Crow didn't, didn't want to look after the baby because the baby cried so much. Eagle Hawk told Crow that if you talk and sing to the baby, it will quiet down. Then Eagle Hawk handed the baby to Crow and said that he would bring meat to Crow after he comes back from hunting. Crow then took the baby into his, into his hut and sat down with the baby and sung and talked to him, but the baby just kept crying. Crow then was getting really annoyed with the baby, and he had no way to stop the baby from crying, so he went and grabbed his bunty, which is a hitting stick, and beat the baby to death. Then he put the baby in the back of his camp, covering, covering the baby with leaves and bark and kangaroo skin on top of the baby. He put the kangaroo skin over the baby when, and left it. Then when Eagle Hawk came back in late afternoon, he Crow ran back into the camp and saw Eagle Hawk singing out to the baby. Eagle Hawk then asked where his baby was and how quiet he was. Crow said to leave him alone and he was at the back of the house. Eagle Hawk then went back into the Gunthi to grab his baby and realized everything was still too still about around him. So when Eagle Hawk walked into the back of the back and grabbed his baby, Crow ran into the Molly, which is a thick shrub. Eagle Hawk started yelling at Crow about how he killed his baby. All the hunters then showed up and Eagle Hawk told them what he had done and the hunters could not find him so Eagle Hawk said to burn the bush. So they then set fire to the Molly before le before leaving the fire. They are then wait waiting for the smoke to disappear as they saw a black bird fly out. Eagle Hawk says how Crow is now punished and his soul is now a bird. Eagle Hawk and Crow still fight to this day. This next story is about the rainbow serpent. So the earth was dry and the earth was also barren at the beginning. And the rainbow serpent would slither throughout the land. Eventually, he fell asleep. And once he woke up, he saw that his body had created these large gouges into the land. Upon seeing this, he then decided that the land needed more life. So he created frogs. The frogs he then tickled until they started to spew water out, filling the gouges, creating rivers and streams and lakes. After the water had been brought to the earth, he then decided to start creating life, well, waking up animals. After he had woken up the animals, he had given them rules. If they followed these rules, they, would, they were allowed to become a human. If they weren't, they were turned into mountains. After a while, the rainbow serpent had stumbled upon two brothers who he had begun to talk to. He was hungry, so he decided to eat these two brothers, and the village they belonged to had learned about that. 
they began to chase him, and as the rainbow certain started to hide, he hid up into the sky. He looked down to see the village, and he saw that they were very upset due to the lossing of the two brothers. Because of that, the rainbow serpent then decided to show his colors and arches in the sky forming rainbows. All right, and our, our last story is about Illawarra and the five islands. So the story starts off with three warriors that lived off the mainland on a small island. They were running out of food, and there was only a small canoe between the three of them. These three were called Whale, Koala, and Starfish. Koala and Starfish asked Whale if they could use the canoe since he was the only one who had one. They said they would bring back a canoe full of food and share it with Whale. Whale thought to himself for a minute that they would leave him to starve to death, so he told them no. So Koala and Starfish had a meeting with each other about how to steal the canoe. Koala knew how to steal the canoe because Whale had molars on his head, kind of like lice. Whale likes to have those uh, lice killed off. Um, he'll be taken to the beach where his head will lay on his lap while he looks at the lice. He'll doze off, then you take his canoe. Whale had a stick, and while Koala was looking, he would hit the stick against the rock to make it sound like Whale's canoe. Koala had a big long stick Koala had a big long stick with a sharp end to kill the lice, and Whale fell into a really deep sleep. So Starfish dragged the canoe away and rolled the log over. Koala was going to jump in the water and swim to Starfish, who took the boat out further into the water. Koala put he Whale's head down, who was fast asleep, and went to the water. Just as Koala was about to dive into the water, Whale woke up. He caught Koala and they had a big fight at the water's edge. Whale started to get the better of Koala, punching him, and Koala reached around and stabbed him in the back of the neck. He got out and swam towards Starfish and they paddled away. They had almost reached land near Wallagong, and by the time Whale reached out and grabbed a stick, by the time reach, Whale reached out and grabbed a stick, he was a really strong swimmer and swam after the two. He reached them just before they reached Port Kembla. Whale rose up out of the water and came down onto the canoe. He smashed it into five pieces. He saw Koala swimming away and Whale caught him, stretched, it, stretched him out. Koala got away and ran up a gum tree and sat shaking in the fork of the tree. Then Whale looked around for starfish and caught him sneaking into a little rock pool in the corner of the beach. He pounded him flat and stretched him this way and that way. Just about that time they started to take the shapes they are now. Koala stayed up in the tree, starfish over in the rock pool, and whale turned into the big whale. The wound in the back of his neck allowed him to breathe when he came up for air. This is the story of Illawarra and the Five Islands. Every year you see the whales going up and down the coast and coming back down, and lots of people think they are going up there for a special reason. But that's whale going up there looking for koala and starfish to give them another flogging. So traditionally these stories were used to share knowledge pass information from elders to the next generation. They didn't want their current generation and generations to come to forget. They carried lore, they carried beliefs and practical knowledge so that culture and lifestyle could continue from one generation to the next. Uh, Dreamtime, or Dreaming for Australian Aboriginal People, represents the time where the ancestral spirits progressed over the land and created life and important physical physical, geographical uh, information or formations and sites. Aboriginal philosophy is known as the dreaming and is based on the interrelation of all people and things. 
The past of the spirit ancestors, which lived on in the legends and are handed down through stories, art, ceremonies, and song. Australian ab Aborigines have the longest continuous cultural history of any group of people on Earth. Est estimates give the date this history about 50,000 years. Aboriginal people disclose their dreaming stories to pass on imperative knowledge, cultural values, traditions, and law to future generations. Their dreamings are passed on through various customs such as ceremonial, body painting, storytelling, song, and dance. The Australian indigenous people have over thousands of years maintained a link with the dream time and dreaming stories of the past to the present. Due to their customs and beliefs, they have sustained a rich cultural heritage. None of the hundreds of Aboriginal languages contain a word for time. When we try to explain in English their philosophy, we are perhaps best not to use the term dream time, but use the word dreaming instead. It conveys better the timeless concept of moving from dream to reality, which in itself is an act of creation and the basis of many Aboriginal creation myths. Aboriginal spirituality does not think about the dreaming as a time past. In fact, not as time at all. Time refers to the past, present, and future, but the dreaming is none of these. The dreaming is there with them. It is not a long way away. The dreaming is the environment that the Aboriginals lived in, and it still does today. It is important to note that the dreaming always also compromise comp Comprises the significance of place. <laughs> also comprises the significance of place. Okay, six more minutes. Okay. okay. I mean, I feel like we could talk a little bit about, like, our opinion of it. Okay. Because, like, I don't know, I feel like doing some research of this was, like, kind of interesting because it's so... It's like such a different concept, but also kind of like the same in the sense of like dreams. How there's that sort of, as we mentioned earlier, like this dreamlessness or this timelessness that's we get with being in dreams and how it's kind of interesting that like a lot of their creation stories and a lot of like how things came to be came from dream time. Mm -hmm. I think that was uh, pretty cool to kind of learn about and see how much culture comes from it. Yeah, absolutely. I know when we decided to go with Dreamtime as our uh, podcast, um, at first I was like, what in the world is this Dreamtime? What could this possibly be about? And then going through and researching all the different stories, um, I know it was very interesting to me to learn about um, the starfish um, that you discussed. I thought it was really interesting how these stories, they talk about time a little bit, but... They don't really have an actual like structure of time and dream time. Yeah, that's like a, it's like a universal thing. I feel like mm -hmm. with their culture, it's just dream or time isn't really like a concept like it is for us. Yeah, absolutely. Like in the story of Eagle Hawk and Crow, they have time, but it's not very set. I guess they have time, but they don't really tell you 
what the time yeah, period it's was. Not as like precise as like maybe we would mm-hmm. do it. I think it's very important too that they, you know, they want to continue the stories and the culture, and they want to keep it passing down to each generation. They don't want, you know, their families, their daughters, brothers, their grandchildren, and so on and so forth to forget. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really cool. I always think that it's cool about cultures when they like pass down stories mm-hmm. and like culture and how they have different ways of doing that between like art and like singing and dancing and like ceremonies and just stories in general I feel like are really cool and it's a really interesting way to like keep your culture alive. I feel like it just is part of their personal identity as a group of people and then just as an individual probably. Yeah, yeah I think that's what makes it important is that they're keeping what makes them themselves part of them and they're passing it on to other people that they you know people will remember so they can keep their culture yeah like like learning in our class about uh, indigenous people of Pacific islands like you hear about all the colonization like how a lot of their cultures got like erased basically and so it's cool to hear that like mm-hmm. there's still cultures out there that can like keep that to themselves keep their who they are as a group of people absolutely I think that's something re- really special like like you said you know how some of these colonizations just kind of you know wiped out disappeared and but they're still holding on and still they're not letting the story or the history die mm-hmm. yeah, i think that's important i feel like that's something you know we don't understand as much mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we can talk about the flag. But do, you, do you want to talk about it or do you want to... When researching for Dreamtime, we found a flag that represents the, the Aboriginal people. It is a horizontal flag cut in half. The top half is black, the bottom half is red, and in the middle there is just a yellow circle. I thought it was interesting that they had their own flag, like as if they were like a full country with a, their full government. Yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. I feel, I feel like it kind of just goes to show, like, how important this is for, especially for a lot of people, enough to, like, have a flag for them to, like, represent who they are as a people and as, you know, where they come from. And I think that's pretty cool. A lot of people associate who they are with, the, like, their nation's flags, and it's cool that they have their own flag to represent themselves with. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the important thing like about the flag too is when you think of a nation you probably will look at the flag and seeing as how they're not like a nation as in all of them are you know the same they're all united on their one banner it's more like I think a way to just see that they all share this dream time and that they'll share these stories and chances are they'll share it with each other which is probably one way that they you know they have a unity yeah I mean it kind of reminds me of like when we were learning about country in our class, about how it's like everybody like comes together, even though there's so many different, I guess like subgroups, if you will, that are within this one big place, but it's like they all have this one thing that like connects them, that they all kind of share universally, like, like across the board. And I think dream time for a lot of Aborigines, Aboriginals, um, is kind of like that. It's like a 
this is our thing and we want to keep it alive. Well, that's the end of another episode of, of the Pacific Islander podcast, uh, where we discuss dream time. Again, my name's Madison. My co-hosts were Riley, Rowan, and Emma, and we thank you for listening. Yeah.